Revelation chapter 21 this morning, and I want to look at verses 1 through 8, but our main focus is going to be on the first three verses there to Revelation chapter 21, on this message that the Lord has laid on my heart this week as I've been studying, preparing uh, to be here with you, and uh, I pray this will give you some help. I know it's helped me when I always look back at this chapter of the Bible and see what wonderful things that God has in store for his people. Uh, so let's go ahead and look at that. Revelation 21, starting with verse 1. And here the Bible says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you this morning for this service thus far. God, thank you for the good spirit. Lord, thank you for those that are here. God, thank you for those that may be listening online. But God, we want to magnify your holy name this morning in this message. Lord, keep me hidden and now the way. May you be revealed as we try to preach today. Help us, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if you were to study the previous chapter to this, you would see some very interesting information there where Satan is loosed uh, from where he's been chained and bound in the bottomless pit. And the Lord allows him to gather an army to try to defeat him one last time. Uh, as they encircle uh, the city of Jerusalem, we find that battle does not last very long, the battle of Gog and Magog, as the Lord sends down fire from heaven and consumes them and destroys them. And he, he then takes Satan and casts him into that lake of fire forever. And Satan's rule and reign is ended. Uh, then we're told of a great white throne judgment where all those unsaved will be sentenced in their final home. This judgment is not for you to come and plead your case. That's done and over with. That judgment is to tell you exactly what your doom is going to be and be cast into that lake of fire along with the devil and uh, all those that uh, followed him the false prophet and, and the Antichrist and all those. And so after all that takes place, we get to this chapter here in chapter 21 and see what things will be like once Satan is finally defeated and Jesus Christ reigns forever and ever. And believe me, friend, he is going to reign forever and ever. There in our opening text in verse 1, the Bible says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. Now we know that John, the apostle, 
Uh, we sometimes refer to him as John the Revelator. He referred to himself as the one that Jesus loved. But he wrote down this text in a vision that God had allowed him to have. And he was privileged to see these things that's going to happen in the future. Oh, what a marvelous vision this was. <laughs> you know, you've heard of that expression of someone being too heavenly minded to be, too earthly, to be any earthly good. I despise that saying. I, I don't believe that saying. I believe there's not enough people today that are heavenly minded. There's more earthly minded people today. More carnal minded people today. More fleshly minded people today than there are heavenly. And look, friends, uh, we need to be more heavenly minded today. We should wake up in the morning and just thank God for the day that He's given us, but also to be expecting at any time the Lord could return. The Lord could come and rapture us out of this place at any moment. There's nothing really standing in the way uh, to prevent that. Only the Father knows that time. But listen, friends, it's a sad commentary on the state of Christianity today when you can't tell a Christian apart from the sinner in the, in the world, from the lost sinner in the world. When Christians, if you put them in a lineup and you can't tell which one's a Christian and which one's the lost sinner, there's a problem right there. There should be a stark difference between us and the way that we present ourselves, the way we speak, the way we act, the way we treat other people. There should be a difference in the Christian than there is the lost world. And sadly, today, the world's preaching at the Christian, telling Christians how to behave themselves. It's sad. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Philippi, said this in Philippians 3 and 17 through 20. He said, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk, so as you have us for an example. For many walk, of whom I've told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame. And he says, who mind earthly things. Who mind earthly things. And then he says in verse 20, for our conversation, meaning those that are saved, is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That word used here in our King James Bible conversation it has the thought behind it of the place of our citizenship. You could say in, that, in place of that word conversation, your citizenship. Uh, I'm glad today to be an American. I think it's the greatest nation in all the world. If you don't believe that, I'll buy you a ticket on a slow-moving train to North Korea or a ship to North Korea. Uh, I, I love being American. I think God has blessed us because, probably because we used to live for him. We used to glorify God here in America. Things have changed. But God has blessed us, and I'm glad to be an American. And I'm proud to be from East Tennessee. I've traveled all this country over. I've went to nearly every state in this country. I've went to two foreign countries, Canada and Mexico. I don't recommend either one of them. But I'm glad to be from East Tennessee. As many beautiful things that I've seen traveling this country... And I've got to see all the sites, every place my workplace would send me. We would go to those places you think of, you know, the, uh, the Grand Canyon and then the, the, all the, the stuff like that. Uh, but listen, there's no place like East Tennessee. I wouldn't want to live anywhere else on the face of this earth. I have a passport, and if you open it up, it says that I'm a citizen of the United States of America. And it has my address. I want you to know today, though, above all, 
being happy to be from America and happy to be an East Tennessean, I'm more thrilled to be a citizen of that heavenly place. You could take that passport of mine, which is expired, by the way. You could take that passport of mine and stamp in heaven because that's where my citizenship lies. Like I said at the beginning, in 1972, I changed my citizenship. I no longer belong to this place. My place is in heaven. And one day I will be there. Listen, I'll tell you another thing that I'm happy about is that I'm not concerned about suffering through seven years of tribulation. I believe the Bible teaches us that the church will be raptured out of here before that time happens. The Bible tells us it's the time of Jacob's trouble. It doesn't say the time of the church's trouble. Jacob being Israel. It's the time when God's going to set everything straight with his people. Oh, there'll be a tribulation period, but I don't see anywhere in the Bible that says the church will be suffering through that. And I'm glad of that. I believe that God will set up an earthly kingdom, just as the Bible says, for a thousand years, where he will rule and reign during that time. And I do believe in that great white throne judgment the Bible teaches of. I don't believe that's already happened. I don't believe Satan's ever been bound for a thousand years yet. Find me a time in, in history where, where there's been peace on earth. Find me a time in history when everyone here on earth is happy. No, it's never happened yet, but one day it will happen. Now, having said all that, let me say this. I believe there are many Christians today who have forgotten what the Bible says about the world. We have become so entangled in this world today that we've, we've lost ourselves to it. Our children have been lost to the world. When we allow public schools to teach our children the garbage they're teaching them today, we've lost them to the world. The Bible says in 1 John 2, 15 through 17, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Listen to this, verse 17. And the world passeth away and the lust thereof but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever did you see that expression the world passeth away in our opening text here in Revelation 21 the Bible said the first earth and the first heaven were passed away this means they're going to be completely made over this globe that we live on right now is not going to resemble the same one when that time comes that the Bible speaks of. It's sure it may be the same planet spinning on the same axis, but God's going to completely remake this old world. Uh, back when, the, at the great flood, that's the same thing God did. He destroyed this, this world, this earth, and everyone on it except those eight people with, uh, with Noah. One day God's going to destroy this earth again. You know, some people are so concerned. Right now the place that I work for, and I'm ashamed to say this, the company I work for is greatly into this Earth Day. Now, shoot me if you want to. If you're one of those Earth Day uh, people, I don't believe in all that garbage. I believe that's a, a religion in itself. And if you study the history and the background of it, you'll find the same thing. But they are so in love with the Earth and what we can do for the Earth. Now, I do believe in being a good steward of what we have. I believe in that. But to go as far as to worship this earth is not right. The Bible teaches against it. 
In fact, we're not to be concerned about this earth because it's not going to be here much longer. This dear lady said that she thought that he could be coming any time, that she thinks that time soon. I do too. And I know one thing, it's, it's closer today than it was yesterday. And if the Lord doesn't come today, it'll be closer tomorrow than it is today. But this world is coming to an end. We act like it's going to last forever. Uh, there's a dear friend of our family who just passed away, Brother Donnie Walker, pastor at Burnett's Creek Baptist Church. We, we used to go to church with him years ago. Him and his family, they live close to us, know all their, their children and grandchildren. And he just found out he had cancer last year, and he died this, this past week. What, a, what an awful thing, 68 years old. That's young. That's young. And we don't know. The Bible tells us that it's appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. And so we don't know when that time's coming. We don't like to think about it. I don't like to think about it. If you think about it too long, you, you worry and you get scared and concerned. Even though we know that our citizenship is in heaven, and we know when we close our eyes in death, we'll be in the presence of the Lord. But it still bothers us. Why do you think we go to the doctor when we get sick and get healed and get medicine? You know, if, if, if we didn't do that, we'd go on and, and, and just go on to our heavenly home. But we do have ties to this earth. There are things that we love. Of course, our, our friends and our loved ones, our families and our church. All these things we love, but I don't consider those things of the world. The things of the world will draw you in and drag you down. And the Bible says the world's going to pass away. The first earth and the first heaven were passed away. And remember, John is seeing this from a vision. There on the Isle of Patmos where he's been sentenced for preaching about Christ. And the Lord gives him that vision. And he sees this wonderful heaven. And he talks about heaven coming down. He keeps talking about this first heaven. What do you think the first heaven is? There's really three heavens if you look at it. The first heaven would be the atmosphere that we see, the, where the birds and the clouds and the, the sky that we are in, this immediate atmosphere that we're in. That's the first heaven. The second heaven is the space that you see in the nighttime when, when it's dark and you can see the, the, the planets and the, and the stars and things like that. That's the second heaven. The third heaven would be the abode of God. There's few people that's got to see that and speak of it. The Apostle Paul was transported to that place at one time and was forbidden to speak of the things that he saw there. But here John, in a vision, gets to see all these things, all of these. And so what's going to be destroyed when he says, it says the first heaven. So all this that we're used to seeing here on a daily basis is no longer going to be here. It's going to be different. The Bible says in Ephesians 2 and 2, Wherein time passed, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Now what this tells us is that Satan is the current prince and power of this air, of the air. So this atmosphere that we know, Satan is actually in power of it. So it has to be cleansed. You'll find through the Bible that fire is always the method God uses to cleanse and to purify. He also uses it for eternal punishment and damnation. But fire will cleanse, and so that's what he's got to do. He's got to cleanse and purify this earth and this atmosphere, this heaven that we know here. When it talks of Satan being the prince and the power of the air, imagine, if you will, you, you can't see it right now sitting here, but there's thousands of radio waves 
going through the air. It passes right through this building, right through in front of your face. There's, there's radio waves. You can't see them. But if you go out in your car and, and turn the radio on, you'll pick up those waves. So there's thousands of them everywhere. Do you know there's also thousands of demonic spirits that go through this air? Why? Because Satan is the prince and power of the air. He must be defeated, and this earth must be purified of it. Listen to how Peter describes this over in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verses 10 through 13. 2 Peter 3 and 10. The Bible says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. What's these works that's going to be burned up? It's the works of Satan. It's the works of sin. It's the works of man. These are all going to be burned up. Verse 11, Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for and hasting under the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Now, we're not talking about Jehovah Witnesses' earth and what they think is going to be heaven. Uh, no, we're talking about what the Bible teaches about a new heaven and a new earth that God is going to create one day when he dissolves what we know now, what we're used to. Go back to our text, Romans chapter, or I'm sorry, Revelation 21 and 2. John continues in this vision. He says, and I, John, saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And so now John is blessed with seeing how things are going to be in that time of God's final kingdom, which we will get to see. If you're saved today, you get to see this as well. Uh, over in Isaiah, it sounds very similar. Isaiah 65 and 17 writes, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. But be ye glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem, a rejoicing, and her people a joy. Have you ever wondered exactly where heaven's at? The Bible always talks about it being up. Up. Here, John says, it's came down. It says, I, John, saw the holy city. New Jerusalem, not old Jerusalem, not the one here on this earth right now, but new Jerusalem, the abode of God. He says, I saw it coming down. It come down to meet this earth, the new earth that God has created. But have you ever wondered exactly where it's at right now, besides just being up? My Aunt Parley Hall, she was the wife of preacher uh, Adriel Hall that used to pastor here a long time ago. I used to go to their house and spend the night, and she would sit at the bedside, and she would tell us all these things. And she would bring up oftentimes, in that day uh, that I was a child, space was a big deal. You saw it on TV all the time. They were talking about the astronauts and going to the moon and all this. 
And so she would sit down with us at our bedside before we'd go to bed and tell us things. And I remember she said, Byron, she said, uh, those astronauts that you saw on television, she said, they're trying to find heaven. She said, that's what the whole space exploration program is about, is they want to try to find heaven. <laughs> now, we know they've never found heaven and never could, not in the way that they're trying to do it. You see, heaven is on a whole different level. It's on a whole different existence. You could, what they say, a rip in the hole of the time, something continuum. It's in a place where we are not able to reach unless God allows us to reach there. So no astronaut's going to get there. Elon Musk and his, his um, rocket and, and the other guy, Bezo, his rocket, they're not ever going to find heaven. Uh, they may get up there and stumble around on some of those planets. I don't know if they are or not, but they claim they do. But here John gets to see this heaven coming down, and he calls it the New Jerusalem. We talk about that New Jerusalem a lot in church, don't we? All my life I've heard about the New Jerusalem way. The New Jerusalem, uh, about John, talking about that city coming down. We, me and my wife sing a song about that, that city that John saw coming down. Uh, but we talk about it a lot. That city that John saw is the same city where those that are saved, the souls of those that are saved, go until we're waiting for the finalization of everything, when God puts everything in order. When we live in his eternal kingdom, we refer to it as heaven most of the time. It's the city which we will live in for eternity, this new Jerusalem. Even when the millennial kingdom is in existence, if you're saved and, and raptured out here with the church, because we have glorified bodies, we'll be able to go back and forth from this new Jerusalem to this millennial kingdom where the Lord reigns. Now, the Bible tells us we will rule and reign with him. But new Jerusalem will essentially become the capital city of the entire world. No, it won't be like the one that you know now. When John saw this vision, he looked up and saw the holy city coming down from God out of heaven. This is the very abode of God. The very abode of God. He was seeing the place of many mansions. Who loves John chapter 14? When the Lord Jesus said he's going away and prepare a place for us. And he says in his father's house are many mansions. It's this place where Jesus went to prepare for us to live in. That's where our mansion is going to be in God's abode. He said it was prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. A bride adorned for her husband. You know the church is often referred to in the Bible as the bride of Christ. One day we will meet him in that holy matrimony, in that holy marriage. I know it sounds strange for our ears today to think of it in that way, but that's what the Bible says that he's been preparing us for, without spot, without blemish. Friends, this is going to be one of the most beautiful places you've ever laid eyes on. Husbands, I, I'm sure you remember when you got married and you saw your wife for the first time wearing that wedding garment and she was the most beautiful thing you've ever seen in your life. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget standing there beside the preacher and seeing her walking through there in that white dress and thinking, I'm unworthy. 
It's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Friends, as beautiful as that is, it's going to pale in comparison to what God has got prepared for us as the church, as the bride of Christ. What a celebration. What a joy. What beauty is in store for us. Oh, friends, it's overwhelming when you think about it. As I said, we get so wrapped up in this earth and all the world's things and we keep that on our mind all the time, keeps us preoccupied. Why do you think Satan uses these things in our, in our life? He tries to keep us distracted and get our mind off of things like this. Honestly, how many times this year have you thought about the holy city? How many times have you thought about being the bride of Christ? How many times have you thought about heaven coming down in the new Jerusalem? I, even as a pastor and preacher, I've thought about it very little. Only when I've maybe studied for a message or something, I'll think about it. We should think about it more. We need to be more heavenly minded today. But listen, heaven is on a whole different plane than we are. It's God's universe. When John saw this vision, you know, Hebrews 13 and 14 says this, For here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. We seek one to come. Over in the book of Hebrews, the Bible says in Hebrews 11 and 8, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place where he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed and he went out not knowing whether he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. But listen to what it says in verse 10. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Abraham, even all those years ago, was looking for this city, the one which we are waiting for. Oh, he wasn't looking for a, an earthly city. He wasn't looking for one that had been made by man's hands. The Bible says he was looking for one whose builder and maker is God. The city of God. Abraham was obedient. He left the Ur of the Chaldees. God said to go and he went. Didn't question it. He went on his way. And he wasn't going looking for nothing. He was going looking for something. He was looking for a, a city whose builder and maker is God. Back in Revelation there, chapter 21, verse 2, the Bible says it's prepared as a bride, adorned for a husband. What beauty that is. What, what the Bible speaks of in, that, in that, that relationship that we have with Christ. Look at verse 3, Revelation 21, 3. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. Can you imagine being John seeing this vision take place? Hearing this loud voice, this great voice out of heaven, telling us that, behold, that means pay attention, behold, this is happening. The tabernacle of God. You know what a tabernacle is, don't you? It's a tent. A tabernacle is a dwelling place. This body that we have is a tabernacle. Now this body deteriorates. It's skin stretched over bone. One of these days it will, it will be gone. It will be rotten in the ground. But it's our tabernacle we live in. But the Bible speaks about a, a heavenly one, a tabernacle of God which will be with men. And not only that, it says 
He will dwell with them. He'll dwell with them. That is, I don't know if you know this, this is huge. For the first time in history, except for when Christ walked this earth for 33 and a third years, for the first time in history, God will dwell with men. All before, what was in a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud and in and, and that tabernacle and those promises that God made and, and things like that. That's, that's the only uh, access that people even had to God. There, when he was up on that mountain, he wouldn't let, allow Moses to see him. Uh, Moses, you remember, came down off that mountain illuminated and people couldn't even look upon him. They were scared because of the presence of God. Do you know in that day, we're going to be in the presence of a holy God. Oh, thank goodness if you're, you're saved today, you're going to be able to stand in his presence because you couldn't do it right now. You could not stand in the presence of God in front of you here on this earth. We must be cleansed. We must be purified. One day we will be. One day. Unto the day of redemption, the Bible says, that we're saved. And I, I think of that. I know, I know that seal they're speaking of is not the same, but I, when I think about that seal of the Holy Spirit, I think about my mama canning, canning uh, vegetables, green beans, and things like that. And we would get those old ball jars, and she would heat those things up, boil them in water, and put it on that pressure cooker, and she'd have those green beans in it, put those lids on with that, with that little uh, uh, metal lid and, and it screwed on there, and she'd set them on a towel out on the counter, and they'd be maybe 40, 50 jars of these things. And we would sit there, and we'd hear, tink, tink, tink. Those jars were sealing. That, that, that metal lid on top would go down and, and seal. And that way you knew months later, in the, in the winter months, we could go down there and pop that seal off, and those green beans are going to be fresh. I always think about the Lord, how He seals us with the Holy Spirit. When we get saved, immediately seals us and keeps us fresh. And one of these days, we're going to reach heaven. And to the day of redemption, He's going to go, I have redeemed you. And we're going to be right there in His presence. I know that may be a, a crazy East Tennessee way of looking at that thing, but, but I think of it that way. Uh, but one day I know I will stand in the presence of of the Lord. Over in John 14, he says, In my Father's house are many mansions. I believe that without a shadow of a doubt. Do you know those people want to cast doubt on that verse and, and cast doubt on what that mansions mean? Oh, it's little apartments. We had one guy tell us. Well, the Bible says it's, it's mansions, many mansions. And he said he was going to prepare a place for us and would come again and receive us unto himself that where he is, we may be also. So we will be there in this place. These mansions he's prepared is in this holy city of New Jerusalem. The Bible even gives us all the dimensions of it, gives us the, the layout, gives us all the things that's contained within it. What a wonderful thing it is. And listen, I believe in, in interpreting the Bible literally. I believe when God is trying to use some other means, he'll tell us in, in his word or he'll show us. But I believe when you read the Bible, you ought to read it literally and say, that's what God said. And he, he said, there's a mansion there, many mansions, there's many mansions there. And so, listen, here for the first time in all human history, God himself will dwell among men. You can only imagine the amazements of the Jews when this happens. They wouldn't even say God's name out loud in fear of, uh, of him, in fear of it. But... If they remember in Scripture, in Leviticus 26 and 11, the Bible says, And I will set my tabernacle among you, 
and my soul shall not abhor you. And I will walk among you and will be your God, and ye shall be my people. Yes, friends, the Lord's not finished with the Jews. He's got a plan for them. They will come to the Lord. Many, many, many will be saved. And uh, he has a place for them. They will join us, the, the bride of Christ, the church. We are not a replacement for the Jews. Uh, I don't believe that at all. The Bible doesn't teach that. God still has a plan for them. And one day we're all going to be together, all nations, all kindreds, and all tongues, one as one here with the Lord in the holy city. Listen, one thing that's very important to remember here, there's no more physical, earthly temple in this city. The Bible tells us that the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them. God will be the tabernacle. It will be him. Oh, friends, listen. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 1 and 2, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle, this tabernacle, this tabernacle, were dissolved, we have a building of God, and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. The Bible tells us we'll have new bodies. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Can't wait for that day. Listen, I've got many loved ones right now that are suffering. I know many of you, 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 you talked about those that are sick and those problems that you're going through. Dear lady, last time I was here, uh, diagnosed with cancer, um, I've got an uncle right now in the hospital has had major, major surgery. He's going to be in for weeks. My aunt June has uh, stage four cancer. Uh, they don't believe she's going to be much longer. She's living on pain pills and, and uh, things right now. Hospice helping out. I've been through it many times with family members over cancer and disease. One of these days, we're not going to have to worry about any of that. We're not going to have to worry about Select Specialty Hospital or Fort Sanders or, or Tenova North or none of that. Won't be any need for it because of the holy city that we're going to dwell in where God is the tabernacle, where God dwells among men. I don't know if you know how important that is. I can't imagine being lost and being on the verge of death, what horror that would be to know that when you close your eyes in death, you're going to slip off into hell for eternity. Oh, friends, if you're not saved today, today, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation, the Bible tells us. I'd like for you to stand. And Brother Scott, would you come and get an invitation song? I want to pray with you. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for the message to today. God, we know the truths of what you tell us in your word. Lord, we believe it all with our heart. God, we know that there's those today that's not been saved. God, that's not going to experience this new Jerusalem. They're not going to experience the glories that await us in heaven. God, they're not part of the bride of Christ. God, we're praying for those lost souls today before it's too late, God. 
Lord, if you would convict their hearts, Lord, may the Holy Spirit come by them, Lord, and, and show them the need to be saved before it's too late. Oh, God, get the world out of our hearts. Get the world out of our homes. Get the world out of our schools. Get the world out of our, out of our government. Lord, may we, we rely upon Christ today. Oh, help us, Father. God, if there's one today that needs help, Lord, would you help them. Oh, God, would they cast all their cares upon you just like you tell us to do. Help them, Father. Lord, help this church, God. Bless them, God. Give them, give them hope. Give them strength, Lord. Oh, Lord, lift them up and help them. God, as you prepare them to be your bride. Father, we thank you for all your blessings. We're looking for that blessed time, that blessed hope, God, that you give us. Oh, Lord, may we be willing vessels for you today, ambassadors for Christ. For these things we ask in the name of Jesus. And amen.